0: Well, I moved into the new rectory, and I called Xfinity for cable, and they said, well, that property doesn't exist. I said, well, I'm standing in it, and they continued to tell me that I was wrong, and it was probably early this morning that I think maybe they're right, because I watched Santa Tracker all night, (laughs) and I watched him leave Brazil, and I... Watched him enter into even Israel. Watched a little video of Santa. He was in a boat going down the Jordan River, and then he got off and got onto a camel, went into the old city before he went to Bethlehem. But somehow he missed that property back there. So I'm just a little bit concerned that my mind is dissipating. <laughs> Expectations is really what our thought is this morning, our meditation What is it that we expect, sometimes? Because what we form in our mind as an expectation, if it doesn't happen, we usually get very frustrated, don't we? Like Santa not showing up. The expectation was, I've been a good boy. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) So when we think about what we're celebrating today, What does the world expect? What is exactly that we're looking for? The whole Old Testament gives us time and time again of God, his plan, which is perfect, seamless. But the expectation of the people, more often than not, is so disoriented that it seems to throw God's plan into whack. It doesn't, because God's plan is perfect, and God can pretty much do anything God wants to do. But when we look at our side of the picture, with our free will and the choices we make, it seems that we're always trying to thwart God's plan. And I think that's because of what we expect, what is in our mind, what we think it should be, how it should be, the way it should work. All the scandals in the entire Old Testament, one after another. God picks these leaders, and what do they do? Scandal after scandal after scandal. Even if you would have read the uh, genealogy of Jesus, his whole family line are filled with scandalous, sinful people, until we get to a point, of course, where God begins everything anew with Our Lady Last night at the four o'clock, you know, I always grab a couple kids—one to be Joseph and one to be Mary—to bring Jesus up. And so I'm instructing the Blessed Mother last night and where she is put to where she's put to, to put Jesus. I said, "Now, when you get to the altar, put him in that cradle, hand on hip." Our Lady says to me, "That is not a cradle. That is a manger." You know what it's like to be corrected by the Blessed Mother? (laughs) Very humiliating. And she's right. So we have to ask the question, what do we expect and what is Mary doing putting Jesus in a manger? Because what is a manger for? Feeding animals. What kind of mother would do that to her child, especially the Immaculate Conception with the second person of the Blessed Trinity. She is expressing her prophetic role. Because after all, Jesus is food for animals. You and I will partake momentarily. We just read about. The shepherds and the angels and the territory they're in. The last time I was in Israel, I was right on the border of Palestine and Israel, and that territory. There's these little, you know, suburbs. I guess you'd call them, kind of like Grand Rapids, Kentwood, Wyoming, Rockford. But they all begin with Bet, House of. Betjala, Bet Safafa, Bet Sahor. Bet Sahor is where the the shepherds' field is. That's where they are out grazing. Betsahor means house of vigilance. Betsafafa is house of summer cottages. And it's anything but summer cottages, people. But Bet is the house of, and then we see Jesus being born in Bethlehem, house of bread. So what Mary is doing is expressing what she knows deep down. He is to be the sustenance for the, he is born. Of the house of bread he will be the bread of life he will feed the animals the animals that come to him he will be our sustenance and our life energy he will be the one that feeds us in this pilgrimage we call life and so our expectations of what god should be You know, he should be a fix-it man. I have a problem. I should go to him. He should fix it. As if we're God. And yet, isn't that what that says when we do such behavior? The prophet, as we've been meditating all through Advent, told us that he will be Emmanuel, God with us. Not good luck charm. Not Mr. Fix-It. Not vending machine God. But God with us. God with us in our scandals. God with us in our imperfection. God with us in our broken hearts. God with us in the muck and mire of sin that has bereft the human family since it began. And how is he with us? Mary's trying to tell us. He is with us as our food, the bread of life. The bread of angels. A bread that has been prefigured through the whole Testament, which would feed God's people if only they would open themselves to him and realize what their true hunger is. Not the hungers of this flesh, the hungers of this world, but eternal hungers. What we're given today is a great image and, and, and fact of what God has always wanted for his people, to be with us. And today in Jesus Christ, divinity weds itself to humanity in such a way that you and I will no longer die. We will die an earthly death, a physical death, but we will no longer die because of this wedding, this union. Where we go, you know, where we will live for eternity, that's our choice. We choose to live with God. It's because we've chose to live with God here and now. But God honors our free will as he has in the entire Old Testament. Again, story after story of God's plan one way, people's plan another way. God always lets us win. Free will. So it's a great day for us to contemplate today what our expectations of God are. Will we accept them on his terms? will, Will we accept him as he is defining himself in this great revelation? He is with us. He is food for the journey. He is the bread of life.